Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. Engage. Engage. <laughs> Engage. Engage. With the new old man Picard is here to set you straight. Um, <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> Get off my goddamn lawn. Um, <laughs> he's a little Get off my bridge. <laughs> and we're back on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal conversation about Star Trek. Star Trek The Next Generation is our bag at the moment. Uh, we're in season five. Uh, wow. One of the. <laughs> is it? Yeah, man. Wow. That's fascinating. <laughs> And in two years, we did it so far. It's it's two years to get to season five. Wow! And we record semi week. Like we don't record yeah. every week, but no, like pretty not much at all. Not yeah, almost. Well, you oh, do. Get in. I'm not. <clears throat> yeah, that's. I meant we as the show. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. yeah you <laughs> Yeah, I thought you meant we as in you and I. Okay. When we're on the air and I say we, it means the it's show. It's the royal we. Okay, gotcha. Yes, the okay. <laughs> yes. All right. The majestic. The majestic, uh, the majestic we. <laughs> yes, it's true. Gotcha. Um, welcome back, Doctor. It's so nice to have you. Thank you. I always like to return for the Doctor Crusher episodes. Oh well, you missed a really good Doctor. Well, no, I guess it wasn't Doctor Crusher. It was Riker. I just did the Riker uh, androgyny, the androgynous species episode uh, with oh, my friend from work. Shucks! <laughs> and it was his first episode of Star Trek ever, and I'm not sure. I'm not oh sure that shucks! <laughs> Possibly sure his best. last episode of Star no, Trek. No, he actually uh, actually we tied it into something very interesting that I'll go over uh, just because I think you you as a a man of letters and and um, and history would be interested. When the, that episode came out, it it meant to address uh, homosexuality. Um, and back yes. then, there was no real ever like idea or talk or popularity to the notion of a non-gendered society, like people who don't even identify or don't want to be identified with a gender. But fast forward thirty years later, or less twenty five years later from that episode. It's a thing being non-binary. It's a it's a That's real true. thing. That's <laughs> so, true. That's true. So Star Trek, though they weren't trying to tackle that subject, but by creating a metaphor to tackle the subject with, they ended up creating a real or like predicting a real uh, a societal uh, uh, issue. Uh, oh, interesting. And is that what later. it was? They're non-gendered? Is that what it was? They they don't. Ha- yeah, they're genderless. Uh, the aliens. And of course, Riker's power of love manages to uh, to to bring out the gender. In Brought one out of them. the female in, in <laughs> one the of female. them. Yeah, that's oh, the power of Riker. Okay. I think he would bring the female out uh, in in any of us if he tried. He wanted to. I guess that's Sean Connery. Sean Connery has that power. But uh, but let, let's not go there. That's delving too deep into the uh, to our. <laughs> Did Sean Connery meet the Doctor, the twelfth Doctor, or the thirteenth Doctor in a yeah in, uh, in, a, in an episode that we didn't <laughs> he, see? And he must he must have met Peter Capaldi, and then, and then uh, it forced him to regenerate as a woman. So there you go. That's the real reason. Bring why. the female out, Capaldi, <laughs> Doctor. I will bring the female out of you. So since you brought it up, I just have to say that I saw. It and that's all. No, you brought it up. (laughs) I know you. I did. (laughs) So this episode, which has a a bit of uh, a bit of time, but it uh, has a temporal mechanics in it. Very much so. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting episode. In fact, uh, I think cause and effect. Oh yeah, did we not say what it is yet? No. Bad, bad Starfleet boy. 
cause and effect. <clears throat> cause and effect. And uh, so, do you want to do the summary for this one, sir? Since you, uh, since you oh, this is an easy summary. Today. I know <laughs> it's so easy. The episode, the, the pre-title teaser starts with uh, the Enterprise in jeopardy, and all hands abandon ship. All hands abandon ship. And uh, <laughs> yeah, basically that's it. Yeah, the uh, the ship is in jeopardy. Something's happening. The audience is, un- is is unsure of what's going on. They're they're trying a maneuver. It doesn't work. And Picard orders all hands abandon ship, and the Enterprise explodes. It's the best opening of any Next Generation it's, episode in history. It's true. It's true. It that really that is. Opening, that was a crazy. And then that was and crazy. Then, uh, post credits, you get you get a little poker game, <laughs> and you're like, "What the heck? What's going on here?" Oh, like, right, <laughs> yes, yes. You start with a poker game, and uh, and it's Crusher, so that, Worf, Riker, which, oh, by the Data. Way, by the way, speaking of Riker, this episode yeah. was directed by Jonathan by Frakes, the so great Jonathan Frakes. the great Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes, Frakes, yes, who yes. we adore. Uh. <laughs> yes. Directed the worst and the best Next Generation movies. Um, and so they're playing poker, and Crusher is called away to sick bay because Jordy has. Doctor, he, he actually directed the best and the worst Next Generation movies. Isn't that what I said? I said, said the, the worst, worst and, the, and best. the best. But it's if you go in the chronological order, it's the best and then the worst. <laughs> He was, he was following. It's a tale still of two true. Cities. Either way you say, ta- either chronological order, or you've a tale of two movies. It was the best of films. It was the worst. It was the worst of films. Of films. Message, Doctor. <laughs> none. The, none that on. I'm aware of. <laughs> All right, sorry. I'm gonna stop now. Okay. <laughs> you can do your summary. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, Crusher realizes as the day goes on. She, she she gets a little sense of something, and uh, it, the first time lead, she gets that sense is with Jordy when she's examining right. Jordy. Who's, she's who's examining her, saying, "Are you sure we haven't done this before?" And Jordy's like, "Oh, it must be deja vu." And she's like, "Oh, okay, maybe." And uh, the day goes on, and it we eventually lead back to the events that the episode that we saw at the beginning of the of the and uh, the pre-titles where the Enterprise explodes, and we see we go back to it. The Enterprise explodes. And cut to commercial, which is great. So, at the first commercial break, once again, we see the Enterprise destroyed. So, we come back from the commercial break, and we're starting again. And now, we as the uh, audience... We we have a few clues. So, one of the things that's happening to Dr. Crusher is she's hearing voices right, right before going to bed. And then she wakes up from it, and they were able to determine in one of the later iterations... They were actually able to hear the, you know, like the all hands abandoned ship. Order yeah, Jordy is like, somehow his visor is somehow picking up something. Off and, of his temporal. Oh, and they're in the Typhon expanse, which is kind of like uh, a weird part of space to begin with. It's uncharted, anyways. God. <laughs> right, and and well, anyways, I mean, I'm I'm giving a, a brief summary. Okay, that's fine. It's better than it's better than my twenty minute summaries. So eventually, they realize that they're stuck in some kind of time loop, and they they uh, they come up with the idea that well, let's try and leave a message uh, for ourselves in the next loop. Because what ends up ha- what's happening is that the Enterprise keeps reaching a point where they encounter a temporal anomaly, and out of the anomaly comes. A Soyuz uh, class class uh, starship, and it it kind of just it, it just kind of hit. I guess it, it collides mm-hmm. past the uh, one of the nacelles uh, of the D, and the D just spins we're, spins away. We're gonna and do. Can, can you recreate little, that? Uh, Please recreate yeah, that. Yeah, we, we can actually. Here, here's what's happening. So, you know, here's here's the D, right? And then instead of, unfortunately, we don't have. I don't have a a Soyuz. Uh, you know the Reliant model? Uh, no, it's, well, it's the Bo- the the Reliant is actually a Miranda class. This one's kind of different, <laughs> but it's it's adapted <laughs> from it, right? It is adapted from it. So, anyways, yeah. here this this ship is going to represent um, 
the Bozeman. The Moran, the, I mean, the Bozeman, right? So it right. comes out of the anomaly, and it's headed straight for the Enterprise, and they use the... Uh, They're going to use the tractor use, beam. They use the remember? tractor beam to push it out of the way, but unfortunately, as that happens, it scrapes against the Rrr. nacelle, causes it, and keeps going, and then the nacelle like kind of uh, starts to you know chain react and then all of a sudden it's like spinning like this and then it's flying off into the distance there you go all right now so what's amazing is that that action <laughs> actually because the the ship becomes unable to eject the warp core did you get that that's amazing yeah, it's a, a serious problem it's a serious that- pro- that's a serious failure on the part of the designers of that ship, I think a lot well, no, went wrong. The, the a lot went wrong to to like not be able to eject the warp core, which is like a pretty crazy thing. So yeah, that's why the ship uh, explodes. So anyhow, um, in the last iteration, Data manages to to send the number three to himself, right. and it keeps popping up. And then we, as the viewer, suddenly realize. Oh, this is different because three keeps popping up, and, and it changes the course. Yeah, it changes the course, and we're wondering, well, how does three work, factor factor into this? And what it is is that Data notices the th- uh, because right before the Enterprise is going to exp- is is going to encounter the the Bozeman, Picard says, "What you know, crew, give me ideas." And Riker suggests one thing, and Data suggests another. In order to avoid crashing. And they always go with data because it's data. Of course you always go with data. But (laughs) he was wrong. So data (laughs) looks at the pips on Riker's shoulder. And he's like, oh, it's the three pips. So therefore, Riker's right. So he goes Mm -hmm. with Riker's idea. And they eat they what they do is they depressurize the um, cargo bay. The cargo bay and that creates kind of a little a little push. Push. And, and they, it's enough of a push finally, that the Enterprise uh, doesn't hit the the Bozeman. What's really cool about this episode is that that ends the paradox or the time loop, right? But it's not quite established in the show, but the Enterprise, the first time it happened, the Enterprise probably is what's reinitiating. The explosion from the Enterprise is probably what's reinitiating the time loop. And what's fascinating about that is, and I think you did watch this episode of Star Trek Discovery, is that in the Harry Mudd episode where he keeps traveling back in time and, and like trying to take a, you know, trying to discover the uh, secret of the spore drive, what triggers his time loop is an explosion. Right. And it causes time to well, rewind. So an I- explosion, <laughs> uh, isn't it an explosion uh, encountering the temporal anomaly, right? Correct. It's those two so, elements together, right? It's those two elements together. So correct. So I think it's kind of. I think it's kind of cool that yeah. you know, like these things are uh, in Star Trek Discovery as well, which is you know, even though. What uh, and, and and what is that again? <laughs> are those short fan films? I don't know. Uh, I don't know what uh, it is you speak we of. We talked about the short film here. <laughs> On Starfleet I'm not aware of what it is you speak of. Anyhow, curious. all right. <laughs> moving on. Um, but the, then Space Trek. I'm talking about Space Trek. You know that show Space sh- Trek that's on TV. <laughs> so, anyways, they're they're restored to the. So they break the uh, they break the cycle. <laughs> and and they run and into then, an episode of Frasier. Well, yeah, and then they run into the crew of the Bozeman, and I'm wearing in their honor. I'm wearing my. T, uh, TOS film era um, oh, very Star Trek good. hoodie. That's true. It's right. my leisure wear. My it's leisure, leisure wear is wear. now. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Whoa. Um, and they inform them that they've been stuck in the loop. Well, they figure out through the um, through realigning with the temporal um, the time beacons in the in the quadrant um, that they've been in the loop for what, like three weeks or something like that? 17 but then the days. Boat, Oh, sorry, 17 days. And then the Bozeman has been in that loop for 80... 80 freaking years, yeah. Years. Could you... Yeah. Well, they don't even... It, nothing, you know. How could they... So that's what happens. So what, now we have the crew of the Bozeman here 80 years later. And I love that, actually, because it's a, it's a, they're a little slice out of Kirk, you know, 
<laughs> Kirk's time yeah. um, of that federation, and now they're here in the future. So it's yet adding another uh, group of people to the time refugee crisis, which is occurring <laughs> in the federation. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> There's Jillian. She's a time refugee. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. right. You're right. Wow. <laughs> wow. They could form a superhero team. <laughs> Guardians of the temporal galaxy. Um, well, you summed it up pretty accurately. I mean, there's not much to to do, but it's a brilliant episode all the same. It, is. it really is. Uh, uh, even with with you know just such a simple story, uh, and that all I think has to do with the uh, the uh, cast. They just deliver and the details. The details. Yeah, the details. It's it's the details yeah. and and also the direction. What I really loved about the episode is you know the you have a number of scenes being repeated uh, throughout the episode, and Frakes does a, an excellent job of shooting them from different angles, and until you get to the final one where he's starting to use really uh, extravagant angles, because there's one. I don't know if you remember. The one shot was just straight up from above, looking down on the um, on the yeah. on, on the conference table, and we've never seen that shot before, that. ever, yeah, ever, yeah, and true. and and it adds attention to the scene because it's uh, it it you know the fact that you're looking down from above on these people and you see them all trapped on your on your screen, it it it. it Forms it, it gives this this feeling of they are trapped, you know, as we, they're trapped visually and they're trapped in the plot. Uh, they're trapped in, in in the time bubble and in, in the time warp or whatever. And and the 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 direction was just phenomenal. Um, he would uh, uh, he would also do. Uh, in order to make everything more interesting, you know, you would have a sequence of events from one point of view, typically from Crusher, but then as the episode goes on, you'll see the same scene played out from Geordi's end, you know, when for when Crusher is calling Geordi at one point in the middle of the night saying, oh, hey, I'm hearing voices, you typically see it from her point of view, but at one point you see it from Geordi's point of view, you know, just to break up the monotony of that, and, and he, he did right. a fantastic job with that. It, yeah, it adds I, to the ten, to the mood of the of the, of the episode. I 100 percent agree, and I like that. Like the just the like just the temporal time space concepts that were being presented to that. Like you know what, just kind of like messing with the mind a bit with the idea of like what is deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> right, something that know, we like, can all identify with. All yeah. identify with, and then it it makes you pause and and think, oh, you know, when I'm having those deja vu moments, what's really going on? So that was mm-hmm. really brilliant on the part of the writers, and I think yeah, it's just like a really awesome science fictiony episode, and then. Yes, for many fans, uh, <laughs> you have the captain of the Bozeman, who is uh, who is uh, played by Kelsey Grammer of uh, Fraser fame. I wish there were more Cheers, and uh, <laughs> but at the time, I think Cheers was still running, if I'm not mistaken. So it might have been actually a, a Cheers crossover in a, <laughs> in a sense. Maybe, but, uh, no, I don't remember. <laughs> but you read a book, Doctor. I did. There is well. There's a, I guess, a semi sequel to this episode. Uh, It's called Ship of the Line, and uh, it's actually found my all. It came out in '97, and I actually remember checking it out from the the public library. I was very excited because it was on the on the cover. It says the first voyage. Of the Starship Enterprise 1701-E. Oh. And I got very excited because obviously the E is a gorgeous ship. And I I don't feel that she ever had her... She didn't have a proper introduction. Uh, She didn't have anything like, uh, you know, the Enterprise did. She has like a... She has like a cool shot... And that you know, like barely, barely, <laughs> barely. Yeah, it's true. it's true. We just kind of like yeah. pop in on the E out of nowhere. 
Yeah. But uh, I, I actually unearthed uh, my my review from the Milky Way Malt Shop. Long, long may it. Uh, wow. Yeah. Rest in peace, the Malt Shop. It's not dead. What are you talking the about? The website. The website. Yes. But Dot there's com. a book. It's now. There is. Print. No. Yes. There is, of course, <laughs> the, uh, the, the zine. The printed the zine. The print version yes. of it. Uh, but I was I was rereading my I'm staring at it right now. Uh, but I was rereading my review and I you, you realize you have somebody on on your show who just doesn't like Next Generation. <laughs> and but if you if if you were to read this review, the person who wrote this review really does not like Next Generation. <laughs> I was kind of surprised at how how much. Uh, how much ire I have against against the, the oh, show? Well, that shows me how your feelings were stronger, and I do recall from our many discussions that like that you you were the biggest critic, perhaps. No, I, was. I think perhaps. Yeah, you, you were among the the biggest critics, and I I think that's what probably spawned my uh, my love, like my deep love Is it? for TNT. Are, are you, are you trying to, to compete well, I'm always, with my... I'm always... Uh, I, I feel like we're always adversarial in our intellectual and uh, entertainment uh, pursuits. And so, so I always naturally take on the opposite, uh, the opposite to your... Uh, there are times where we're aligned, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I, I write something the here. Comes to mind. <laughs> a, apparently, the plot of of the novel uh, deals with the fact that um, it, it it takes place after shortly after the uh, the destruction of the D. And uh, believe it or not, and I, this is the thing that I mean, I don't know. I didn't write it in my notes, so I don't know why this is, but. Uh, Morgan Bates, Captain Morgan Bateson, is in mm, charge mm. of the the construction of the E. Whoa! And and he's building it with Scotty. Whoa! So well, it's, and it's, the, it's Scotty. The A is a sovereign class starship too. I, I looked up the Bozeman A. Anyways, but go on. Why, why would you put somebody from the twenty third <laughs> century that, in charge? Hey, that's why the E looks so beautiful. Is it? If I may per, argue, perha- maybe. I mean, it it was the like the D is awesome and everything like that. But when the E was born, no, I was the like, E is, is 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 the best. It's a gorgeous. E is, it's is a gorgeous, gorgeous starship. It's a beautiful the e starship. Is gorgeous. <laughs> but any, anyways, so he is so he is actually captain of the E. Picard mean, has not well, been no, give, kept in the novel. Picard no, has not I, no. Picard has not accepted command. He does not know if he wants to command another ship because his crisis is that he's lost two ships. He's lost the Stargazer, and he's lost the Enterprise. The oh, the Enterprise D. So he doesn't know if he wants command of a ship again. So the original captain, according to the novel, which of course we all know, you know, we won't go into a, a discussion on the canes of the canon of, of novels. <laughs> but for the purpose of this discussion, uh, uh, Morgan Bateson is in fact the captain of the Enterprise E, and he brings along his crew from the uh, Bozeman, and they have great character names like Skip and... Uh, they have... Uh, they, so the, so the Memory Alpha has it completely wrong because I read the Memory Alpha thing and in Memory Alpha it says that the Bozeman becomes a museum ship and that what, and the, uh, they build a so- they do in fact build a sovereign class replacement called the Bozeman A so yes, that's... That- that's the ship that that happens that at the end of this cr- novel. Oh, so because Picard try, decides to take the A, the Enterprise E, the E. So Bozeman, so Bozeman gets. You're saying he and his crew get the uh, the Bozeman A, right? Oh, but, gotcha. But okay, during gotcha. the novel, the 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 Picard goes off to Cardassia with Worf and Crusher to solve something there, and then there's a Klingon 
who has been harboring revenge against uh, Bozeman, actually for the events that lead up to this episode. The reason that the ship goes into the temporal anomaly is that they're leading Klingons away from uh, Starbase 12. Oh. And and it's all a ruse involving the actually the original Enterprise, the Kirk and Company. So Kirk and Company have been are away from Starbase Starbase Twelve. So it's up to to this guy to lead the Klingons away until the Enterprise can come back, and they run into this temporal anomaly. Uh, you know, in 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 leading away the Klingons. Now they managed to destroy. Most of the Klingons, but this one guy is still left over, and and he's been hanging his head in shame for ninety years. And when he learns that this guy is now in command of the ship of the line, the Enterprise E, he decides to come out and seek revenge. And and that's the plot of the novel. Um, that's so crazy and complicated. <laughs> it is, and I, I give it I give it a terrible. Uh, re- re- I, I say I just ha- I just have to indulge in, and read the these these <laughs> these last few sentences. Um, uh, oh, because there's a thing. This is the thing that I hated most about the novel. Throughout the novel, Picard, because since he's like having this crisis, he keeps right. consulting uh, holodeck recreations of the enemy within and the balance of terror. To understand Kirk better, <laughs> and it turns out, and, and I write. This is me writing back in in whatever ninety seven. I write, the superiority of the old generation is further proven by having Picard's best all time line, "The line must be drawn here," turn out to be a quote from Captain Kirk. Oh no! They did so, not do yes, that. Yes, they did do that. <laughs> they did do that. Yes, Th- that's probably why why the uh, novels will remain outside canon for. <laughs> well, this novel <laughs> will certainly ta- remain off canon for me. Yeah, I, 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 how could you do that to poor Picard? Anyways, go on. Right? That's interesting. It's curious. It's well, curious, I mean, my whole my whole summation is is, is that the the. I mean, this was back then. I was saying that Paramount just wasn't giving Next Generation um, what it needed to stand on its own. That they always kept going back to the crux of of uh, to the crutch of of the old generation. And um, and uh, oh, and I write this other line that says. Uh, in a telling point. Carrie, Diane Carey is the author, graphs the detached interest the Trek audience had in witnessing the destruction of the Enterprise D through Picard. The death of the Enterprise in Star Trek III was one of the most emotional and wrenching moments in Trek history, but the Enterprise's D's, the Enterprise D's demise was comparable to a zany car crash in Fox's wildest car, chase, car chases, <laughs> played twice to the delight of its audience. Picard we after- haven't even gotten to our, our film discussion of Generations. Now I know how you're going to go on. Picard, after the loss of two of his commands, also feels something amiss in being so heartless about the situation and resolves to change things for his third command, an echo of his promise to his crew at the end of the series finale. Of course, all these promises are as hollow as a dead Dyson sphere. <laughs> That's me, folks. Wow, Doctor. And, that, and, I and forgot how. <laughs> what a purple prose I write, yeah? And then the yeah, final, the final sentence is, With this negativity toward the second cast, it's hard to get excited for this novel's finale where their rejoined crew set themselves for their next tour of duty together. Instead of growing excited for what lies ahead, one groans in realizing it's Star Trek Insurrection. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, so, that's it. That's enough of reading of my my old review there. Wow. Yeah. So that's really good. Um, but you bring up a really good point. Um, T- TNG did um, in gener- in generations. It w- like it's totally understandable. Um, actually, 
that's the problem is that you get the impression that they destroyed the Enterprise D to create a, a more film, uh, a filmable uh, starship, whereas the Enterprise, uh, the original Enterprise refit, um, when it's destroyed, it, it is totally out of necessity for the story. So it's a it's a good contrast. <laughs> yeah, but you also really, you yeah you feel more emotion obviously in, in Star Trek Three than you do in. I mean, it's one of the highlights when the D crashes, but it shouldn't... It's a highlight for the wrong reasons. You enjoy seeing it right. destroyed, and it's even played for a little bit for laughs because it, it, when, when, it, when it stops, it has that little, you know, that moment where it's like kind of like... Like a rock, like a jolt. Yeah, like it rocks kind of, yeah. Right. And you have the little, yeah. So, but anyways, back to this episode. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's totally... totally um, I think we just kind of covered a lot more than the center episode uh, <laughs> warrants, which I'm really happy about because I forgot about the uh, I didn't realize I forgot about how well you wrote. Uh, so that was a really, really nice uh, like uh, remembrance there. Um, so yeah, that's it. There's nothing else about this episode that I really have to say. I mean, awesome I can- performances, fantastic direction. Well, what what else? What else is there? Well, I mean, I, I I like the details of it. You know, the whole, um, you know, the the way that the mystery is built up. You know, you you have Crusher hearing voices. Um, I, yeah, actually, which is really spooky. It, you know, when you think about spooky, it. It is super spooky. But what I also like is that um, once she becomes aware of the phenomenon um, that's going on, and 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 you know, like one imagines that in between each iteration that we see there's probably at least like 10 others right because um they were doing it for 17 days and we didn't see like you know 17 iterations on screen right right but what i found interesting was like she purposely moves there's this concept of like trying to change time right throughout the whole episode and she purposely moves her little glass of brandy or whatever it is uh every time so that she doesn't knock it over but she somehow manages to knock it over every single time. Every single time, and it and it, and it creates this kind of like fatalist idea, mm-hmm. if you will, of like no matter what you do, there is a, there is like this you know uh, element of like no matter what you do, time's going to happen the way it's supposed to. So really, what's going? <laughs> what can we actually do? So there's that. Yeah, and that creates tension in the episode as well because mm-hmm, you you mm-hmm. know. I mean, you know, you keep getting each time you get to the commercial break, the Enterprise explodes. I mean, I it's like how Data's totally great. weirded. Yeah, t- Data's totally weirded out when they're when she predicts what cards in the yeah during the uh, during the poker game. Yeah, <laughs> poker I mean game. that's yeah, that, that doesn't cool. compute well with him. <laughs> He's like totally freaked out. It's. I don't know, like, what other details? Because at the moment, I just can't. I can't think of any doctor. I, I liked. Uh, I really liked the scene where, where Crusher the first time Crusher reaches out to the captain, and it's it's obviously the middle of the night. That's right. And and you know she's like, it, it's more it's it's less professional and more personal in the in the way she she asks to see him. And then she's kind of there, you know, on, on his, you know, his couch, and he's giving her, uh, what is it? Is it? It's not tea. It's something. I don't know what he's giving her. Like oh, kind of, his uh, aunt Adele's. Um, yeah, isn't it his aunt Adele's recipe? Adele, oh, gosh, recipe for nutmeg or something? No, something like a milky drink. I think Hello. something. Yeah, and and it was just such a wonderful little character moment there between the two of them you know because really what she's saying is is not i mean yeah at that point it just sounds less than scientific what she's talking about and right. and he's 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 really being more friends a, a, a warm milk toddy one of the ingredients was nutmeg, so you got it right. <laughs> okay, but I really like the idea. You know, I mean, it really shows the 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 closeness that these characters have. Well, that was a that's another thing. Um, 
when I did the uh, discussion with my friend who uh, it was his first episode, one of the things that like he caught totally was like how there are these like relationships uh, between uh, the characters that go a lot deeper. And he was like, but it was a little, you know, he expressed that it was that was one point that was kind of difficult was that like he didn't know what those relationships are. So I think that like for people who watch TNG from season one to season five, there is actually. Uh, a lot of stuff there that you gain, but it's mostly interrelationships between the characters, not like necessarily like a overarching theme or or um, or arc, you know, or story arc. But there's definitely like a emotional arc that uh, that is very well like that's matured at this point in the show, and like that you see casually informally <laughs> just like it's just there like the mojo you know mm-hmm. between these characters it's now at this point it's it's just there and so when you're watching it you as the audience are also really invested in those kind of key emotional moments so anytime we see Beverly and Picard together having an intimate moment it it kind of stirs these emotions of like oh you know are they going to take this further and like you know where's this going and like there's an excitement also to that and a tenderness like that you don't see Picard express with anyone else and like and Beverly challenges him in ways that no one else does too which I really like right right so I, I really appreciated that moment and and I, I like when, when Crusher is used uh, more and and it's interesting they do use they, they, she does seem to get used for these weird Sci-fi mysteries. I mean, the the other one that I love is the one where everyone's disappearing. The bubble, uh, yeah, the, which is really another interesting bubble. Point. What is that saying? Is that saying like the the doctor is the the best equipped to uh, solve these sci-fi capers? Is that <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. And and let me tell you, if if our show had happened, if we had gone ahead with 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 prim, with. Uh, Ooh, oh, I forgot the name of the freaking Pasteur. If we'd gone ahead with a Pasteur, trust me, there would have been pl- uh, sci-fi mysteries well, aplenty. Let me ask you a question: Is there something going on with the Crusher family? Like, because not you know, obviously it wasn't like directly done or anything like that. But you know, Wesley's got all these kind of weird relationships with like you know the tra- the whole thing with the Traveler. There and, we like, go. Right. You know. <laughs> right. Where does that come from? Yeah. I mean, it seems yeah, like where does that come from? she so- has an almost Guinan-like. Quality to, quality to her, it's to, true. To to pick out when something temporal is happening, and and if if we say, well, you know, that somehow has been passed on to Wesley, and has been ex- expanded in in him, you know, I mean, who's to say? Yeah, there's something there. There's there's I more. Mean, maybe the first female doctor. Was not Jodie Whittaker. <laughs> Maybe it was Gates McFadden. Interesting. Doctor Who. Wow, that really uh, that really went far out. Uh, <laughs> it did. It did. For, for those of you hardcore uh, Starfleet boy uh, viewers uh, who made it this far <laughs> to our discussion, uh, we'd love to hear. Far. We'd love to hear your thoughts below uh, about the timey wimey stuff, space and time, and and the Crusher family. Um, that would be an interesting thing to to see. And I I don't know. I don't think there's, I, I, to my knowledge, that kind of idea hasn't really been fleshed out in any of the expanded Star Trek universe. I don't universe, think so. Who, who knows? Um, because my knowledge of the expanded universe of Star Trek is is very small. So <laughs> it, could, yes. it could totally be out there. Speaking of the expanded universe, uh, I would like to share... I don't know if... Am I allowed to share? Um, You're allowed to do whatever you want. No, no, but I mean... No, but technically, <laughs> am I allowed to... Am I allowed to share something on my screen with? I think the so. Actually, really, you can just if you if you uh, screen share. Okay, screen share. There it is. Yeah. Okay, so if I and hit screen choose, share, and then present to everyone when you choose your window or whatever it is you're doing, because I have 
Okay. Application window. Can I do application window? Here we go. Oh, indeed. All right. Oh. So this is um, this is from a comic book. The DC published a comic, which kind of filled in a little gap uh, right after um, the episode and right before the novel, in which hey, uh, yeah. Wait a second. Go wait a back second. to that shot of see the D right there. Yeah. That's a hologram, isn't it? It looks like. Yeah, it looks uh, like. Well, okay, I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is you're trying to say with that. Nothing. I'm just saying there's holograms in Star Trek. Uh. <laughs> oh, my. Anyways, this shows Scotty and this guy uh, meeting, and, and that kind of sets up the idea that later... Uh, Scotty is is um, is in charge of 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 the Enterprise E along with him. I'm really glad to hear that Scotty. Uh, by the way, yet another time refugee. Exactly. Exactly. That's why they're. <laughs> that's why Troy recommends Scotty. Meet and, this guy because they're both Captain in the Bozum. same era, right? Right. Fascinating. Exactly. Precisely. Very fascinating. Even though McCoy is we, still alive, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but then you also have uh, the people that they like in season three or season two. Uh, those people that they found on the on oh, the right, you know, in the right. cryo freeze. Those yet yet more time refugees. There's like a lot of time refugees. I'm telling you, it's there's a, a, a time refugee crisis. That hasn't there been is. addressed in, in Star there Trek. There is. You're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and that, maybe and that maybe probably, this should be an episode of Old Man Picard. I think it's just like it totally should be. Um, well, since we're tying in, since we're talking about the Bozeman, um, there is some kind of fascination on the part of the of the Star Trek kind of writers and the Bozeman because in generations. Um, one of the ships that they mentioned that had to change course uh, because of the um, the Nexus, you know, because of the Armagosa star exploding, is the USS Bozeman. Oh, really? So it, yeah, it just kind of implies that the Bozeman, either that one or the A, according to the novels, uh, is still in um, that 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 crew is just reintegrated into Starfleet. Well, yeah. I mean, in the novel, they right, they they were. The thing is, is that eighty years into the future for that crew also poses an interesting thing because it's it's much like the Philadelphia experiment because their friends must still be alive, their children are still alive. Uh, so I wonder if the novel explored that and had it, Star Trek. It does make- actually. It. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> There's there's, Um. well, I mean, it it kind of kind of tragically. There's one crewman who apparently his wife went looking for him in the Klingon Empire because it was just assumed that the Klingons kidnapped them, and she actually went into the Klingon Empire and got kidnapped herself, and was returned back in several pieces, like her remains. Because uh, she died, you know, behind enemy lines in some Aurora mm. Pente or something. So there's a scene where where one of that crewman is receiving the remains. So so yeah, the, it's it's kind of it's a it's a tragic. There's a tragic quality to this whole crew. Um, and Next Generation seems to set up uh, the idea that that there's there's not a lot of happiness when you're a temporal refugee. Certainly, yeah. uh, what happened to to Tasha. When she's a she's not just a temporal ref, refugee, she's an uh, I don't know if you want to call it dimensional alternate or, dimensional yeah, alternate, yeah refugee as well refugee yeah, as true. well and and look what happened to her so yeah not and 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 let's you know look at Spock you know <laughs> oh he's a temporal and dimensional refugee as well as well temporal, yeah it's crazy yeah so I mean there's a whole yeah man this there's is, a temporal crisis man. It's indeed, true. indeed. 
It's the big crisis. It's tr- that no one talks about. It's crazy. <laughs> it's the un. It's the. It's the, it's the secret that Star Trek does not want to want to talk about here. Their crisis. The, the Star Trek Encyclopedia. This is on Memory Alpha that I'm getting this information. Uh, the states that the Bozeman was named for the city of Bozeman, Montana, hometown of the writer Brandon Braga, who wrote this episode. Um, oh, okay. And and he uh, um, the registry. 1941, NCC 1941, is an homage to the Steven Spielberg film. Um, so that's interesting, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, so a little little extra information about the Bozeman there. I, I feel that we, uh, even though I'm, I, I think I've told you, I'm not a Frasier fan, uh, but I feel that it, we would be remiss if we did not mention one more Frasier Star Trek connection which is, uh, do you remember the 30th anniversary Star Trek special that was on UPN and it featured Captain Janeway in command of the rest of the Frasier cast, not Kelsey Grammer, but the Uh, rest of them That's right do you remember that? That's I do remember that. That is a like comedy, yes. comedy bit, and it was really really funny. That's yes. right. So the entire cast of Frasier has been on Star Trek in, on in Star one Trek. shape or another. And now. we would be remiss to uh, not point out that there is a further Frasier Star Trek connection, and that's on Drunk Space Nine. Oh my. Uh, we do a episode called Drunk Space Niles, which is our Frasier uh, episode. <laughs> so, what a smooth segue that was. Yeah, that was... I well, set it all up Frasier, for you. A lot of Frasier stuff going on uh, in the Star Trek universe, very interestingly, uh, all because of Kelsey Grammer uh, playing uh, uh, Captain Morgan Batesman. Um, let's see what trivia... Um, let's see. Of course, the memorable quote section, all hands abandon ship. Repeat, all hands abandon ship. I wish I could make that my uh, ringtone and attach it to certain <laughs> <laughs> situations that might require it. Uh, <laughs> Her steamed milk, Aunt Adele, you already mentioned that, the milk toddy. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, there uh, there might be a recipe for What? No, there is not. I feel like the Star Trek merchandising people aren't capitalizing on some of these things like uh, Aunt Adele's steamed milk <laughs> recipes and stuff. Do you think there's a market like for that? Yeah, a tea towel with her recipe on it. I mean, it would be awesome, don't you think? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'd buy it. <laughs> Speaking of which, Doctor, thank you for reminding me. Um, I have the crystal. Do you recognize it? The Picard crystal? It sits on his desk in his ready room? Oh. I was thinking it's the dark crystal? I don't know. I The shard. It's the shard. The shard. No, it's, the, it's the Picard crystal. And, um, I, I don't, I, I don't it know. It came from... It came from... Ro- oh, wow. Roddenberry. The Roddenberry oh, my gosh. Store, yeah. But what, so what is the crystal, though? I don't know what the crystal is. Look up the Picard desk crystal. He's like... And now you'll notice... Now you will notice it... When you watch uh, um, Next Generation, Star Trek: The Next Generation, because he often he'll he'll often be holding it in a scene where really? he's contemplating something. Yeah, I had and, no idea. Is that yeah, that's on his desk? It's on his desk, and he's like he's always fondling it, uh, and and you definitely have seen him fondling it. You just didn't realize it. I had no idea. <laughs> so yeah, so the, the Picard said, crystal. Wow. Let me see if I can get it in the in the light just right. Here we go. It shimmers be- look at look at what it, it does. It does. I like, can see it. Yeah. It shimmers really beautifully and um it's made of lead crystal and it's just uh they they recreated it. It's so complex. You can't really tell what's going on, you know, on video. It's amazing how it like changes the the light and how it bends the light, I should say. But it's a beautiful beautiful piece. It's uh, also the most affordable piece on the Picard um Desk collection. What's that beeping? That's uh, that's Emma. That's 
Oh, I, I was going to say, I, is that I just, zero? I just, sorry, babe. Zero. <laughs> I'll call you in Zeros. a minute. <laughs> that's very temporal, too, because she's going to see this later and be like, oh, that's what. <laughs> that's, that's, so that's why he muted sorry. me. What? That's, that's very timey. That t- it's very timey wimey. Anyways, uh, it's 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 the uh, entry piece I would say to the Picard desk collection because then they have his isolinear chips and um, now Do they're they have also the, selling the thing that goes on his. No, ah, oh, that should be part of the. But that's not a desk collection. But they've also released his it computer goes on the console. Chair. And the owner has every get, desk as a chair. That's true. I, <laughs> it's just a table runner. I'm sure we can all get one. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Go to Target and buy a table runner and put it on your chair. And, and wow! Boom. <laughs> <There> wow! <we laughs> no, the Mintakin tapestry is definitely something uh, that should be in in the collection, and I would definitely get it too. Actually, the whole chair, uh, but unfortunately, the computer console is like three grand. What? Yeah, it's super expensive, but <laughs> if you're a collector, I mean, it's a it's an exact replica of the prop that was used on the, uh, you know, on the thing. <laughs> wow. Maybe they'll come out with a an affordable, less exact replica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That the those of us who can't afford that uh, will purchase. But anyways, that. That little crystal has given me some uh, endless joy. It's fascinating to look at. It sits, it sits on my desk now, and I feel a little bit more uh, like Picard in my Picarded. Yeah, and I, hopefully they'll have. Uh, hopefully the crystal will make it into Old Man Picard. I, I hope. I really Old hope Man so. Picard. <laughs> um, one one more bit of trivia. Apparently, the uh, producers uh, were interested in getting. Christy Alley to reprise her role as Savick oh. in the background, but but well, how would that have worked? <laughs> she could have been on. She was serving aboard the Bozeman, but it would have ter- it would have gone against. So you would have had, well, yeah, um, it would have been it would have been yeah because uh, the Bozeman goes in Robin, before Robin, and yeah, also that's be true. Robin Curtis that you. <laughs> That you need to have as <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, it would have been a continuity error. Savick? It would have been a continuity error. Right. You're right. But... Isn't Savic part two Robin Curtis? Right? Yeah. Did I get that right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, no. I think it would have been cool. But then she would have had. They would have to had a story about how she got back in time. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Very nice. Uh, let's see what else Memory Alpha has to say about this episode. And I'm not sure why I'm yawning. I probably need a cup of coffee. <laughs> uh, Brandon Braga commented that this episode is one of the most popular episodes he wrote personally. I agree. Yep. Are we ready to give it a rating? Almost. Let me see here. Continuity. This is the third episode in which we see a galaxy-class starship destroyed. Oh, um, Nurse Ogawa. Alyssa Ogawa's last name is first mentioned in this episode. Her first name was established in Clues, which is another caper. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um Picard's Aunt Adele was previously mentioned in Ensign Roe, so it's this season that Aunt Adele starts Ro appearing. Roe had nothing to do in this episode, by the way. No, she was just there to, to be Ensign Nothing Ro to do in the episode. No, more, no wonder she haircut. left the show. No she wonder she left the show. Too. She did. She did. She did. I well, feel bad for her. To, she went on to do a lot of great things. It's okay. Um... The Bozeman's era of 2278 would be set halfway between the events seen in Star Trek The Motion Picture and Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. So that's why you couldn't have Kirstie Alley. Right. Because she wouldn't... How would she have appeared in Star Trek II? That, that's interesting. The wardrobe of Captain Batesman also establishes that Starfleet had switched to the red jacket uniform at least seven years before the first time the uniform was seen in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. The Bozeman was later referenced in the series finale, All Good Things, 
Generations and First Contact. It's referenced in all of those things. Wow. Picard's line, we can't afford to start second-guessing ourselves. We should stay on this course until we have reason to change it. Is repeated Did he almost say that verb- in another episode? No, it's repeated almost verbatim by Deanna Troy in All Good Things. She specifically says, I don't think we can start second-guessing ourselves. I think we have to proceed normally and deal with each situation as it occurs. Because, you know, the other episode that this one reminds me of, which I also love, is the one where they, they encounter the other Picard and... Right. And, he, and, and, he's, he ta- and he's, he's out of sync. <laughs> I love that episode, and this episode episode. reminds me of that one. This is the first reference to ejecting the warp core. While it is mentioned many more times, the procedure wasn't (laughs) actually seen on screen until Voyager, uh, Cathesis, which makes the first several times the USS Voyager ejected its warp core. The USS Enterprise E ejected its core in Star Trek Insurrection. Uh, so I didn't realize that this is the first time we hear about the concept of ejecting the warp core. That's fascinating. Huh. Huh. All right. Now we can uh, we can go raiding. <laughs> I'll go first, Doctor, as per tradition, since you doubt my ratings. I give this episode a nine. Um, just not for no other reason than it's awesome. It's just. It's like <laughs> it, it, it is. It is an awesome episode. There, there's a lot of reasons I could give to defend the nine, but I think we kind of went over that pretty well in our episode guide. And though it's not like an episode that like has any significant impact, um, you know, had the show been a um, um, a serialized show it would have been cool to have a few episodes obviously readapting the crew of the Bozeman to to the future uh, yeah. you know to, to the to their future lives and who knows um, you know what what if a spin-off had occurred as well which would have you know uh, apparently um, been a neat way to kind of like have two shows running one you know you know Concurrent, like I don't know that that part I take back. But the point is, is that it it would have been great to have some follow ups, which we never get. So, despite that, despite never seeing the Bozeman again, even though we hear of it, and certainly there's a little bit of, uh, um, you know, uh, expanded universe action going on for the crew and 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 the Bozeman. Um, I just think that like the concept I remember when it first came out the 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 episode's concept was awesome, and then the execution is just delightful. I mean, like it's a really well done job by Jonathan Frakes and the entire production crew and writers. So I think that it deserves its nine, <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> I will I will join you in that nine. I will give it a nine wow. as well. It's, this is it's, so it's, rare that we uh, align, and that's a good. That's a good. We one. usually align with the higher rated episodes. Is it's it, true. It's maybe true. no, maybe not, because you give a lot of higher rating. You. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. You usually align with me on my higher rated ones. I think this is true. Um, I agree. <laughs> but uh, but this is this is one of the better episodes, more memorable episodes of the show. But I, I, I have to admit, I am a fan of these little... I've said it. I love the little sci-fi mysteries. I loved, like I said, the other two that I just mentioned were cru- the sh- people disappearing and Crush us to figure it out. I love the one where Picard is... There's two of them. I just like those types of... The mysteries, right. The sci-fi mysteries. I, I, I love them. They're... Um, they usually... Imp- they they usually rely a lot on 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 characters and and their you know it, it's not just the plot but you also have to have characters with personality that can that can carry the plot and and in this episode you know we see the poker game which is something that's become a staple of the show um you see a lot of nice little character interactions like i said between Picard and Crusher and um, and and you and you and you see dynamics that that we've become 
accustomed to and are in some ways subverted because like I said one of the best things about the episode is that it is in fact Data whom you know nine times out of ten he's the one that's right and everybody defers to him it's he's right. the one that's wrong in this case and that's totally. why they exploded and he even calls attention to it himself so um, I think I think it's great that the episode subverts that the the uh, it, it it subverts the typical next generation storyline formula. formula. I yeah. mean, data's wrong. The Enterprise keeps blowing up at every commercial, you know, break. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a very atypical uh, story. In essence, in essence, even though the episode deals with the concept of deja vu, it is in fact when it first aired the opposite, which is all which is known as jamais vu, uh, the French word meaning never seen. So, oh, there we go. <laughs> fancy, <laughs> fancy closing thoughts. Fancy, fancy, we we. Fancy, fancy closing thoughts here on Starfleet Boy. Doctor, I really appreciate you joining me today. It was really fun talking about this episode and kind of getting into the little nitty-gritty ideas behind it. And um, I'm glad we uh, concluded uh, the same on our ratings. Is there anything you'd like to uh, close with that you're promoting or anything? uh, Since now these are like a lot more uh, uh, (laughs) timely in, in their airing. Uh, are there any thoughts? Uh, and have you seen the trailer for season two of Star Trek Discovery? Are you excited at all? Do you have anything to say? <laughs> I have nothing to say. Um, I have not seen the trailer, and, and I, I frankly am not excited. I don't care. Oh, such a bummer. Yeah. But uh, I'm not interested in to- Spock number three. Sorry. What's that? I'm not interested in Spock number three. Uh, come on. He's lumberjack Spock. He's awesome. We can keep him. <laughs> That's what everyone says to me when I say that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Now, uh, I'll, I'll, of course, report uh, when, when it comes out. Um, the first short treks. Uh, wasn't as exciting as I would have liked, so we're not off to a great start. <laughs> but, but we'll see how the second short treks goes. Um, anyways, that's all we've got, folks. Uh, please uh, feel free to comment below. I know I'm a little behind on responding to some of your comments, but I'm getting there, so please, uh, please be patient with me. And uh, also, uh, I'd like to say hello, since we cannot... We cannot say goodbye without saying hello to Frasier Secret, who is one of our... So, (laughs) this is a funny story. (laughs) I actually don't know his real name, but there's an audience member named Frasier Secret that started out on Drunk Space Nine. I thought it was a sponsor for the show or something. His his handle is Frasier Secret. He started out on Drunk Space Nine. He listened to Drunk Space Nine three times. Mm-hmm. In a row, like like he loved it that much, wow. and uh, he might be my new co-host for Drunk Spa- Rogue Drunk Space Nine. We'll see. But anyway, Rogue, <laughs> Rogue, Drunk it Space might be going Nine. Rogue. Yeah, Indeed. there might be a Rogue. Yeah, I got oh full permission God. in in one of the episodes of Drunk Space Nine. I get permission to do Rogue <laughs> Drunk Space Nine. <laughs> wow. So I, I might use uh, I might use that permission. Um, but anyways. Uh, he now, because there's no Drug Space Nine, it's on it's on a indefinite hiatus. Uh, <laughs> he's now watching episodes of TNG and then listening to the Starfleet Boy from the beginning. So he's got his work cut out for him. But it, he's he's been commenting on episodes that he's watched, and uh, so we welcome him aboard. He's a new member of the uh, the Starfleet Boy crew. <laughs> All right. A hundred some odd episodes later, he'll finally hear this and he'll be like, oh my gosh. And it ties into the whole time aspect. I got to mention. Cool. That's cool. (laughs) Or he may be embarrassed that he got to mention. I'm not sure. But anyways, Doctor, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper, sir. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.